0: The Jaguars continue their unbeaten start to 2022. Andre Moritz sends Haugang into raptures with a Pushkas contender while Jensen steals the show at JBS.
1: And if you thought it couldn't get any better, Friday Night Football this week sees a clash of the Titans as a rampant Albrecht Snegata take on a lackluster Lion City Sailors.
0: It is time to get your pulses racing as we look back on all four games in an eventful match week three before getting you up to speed for a momentous game week four.
1: Sit tight. This is the SPL Podcast. Hi, everyone.
0: This is Raushan. And this is Farah.
1: Farah, the Singapore Premier League is just a gift that keeps on giving, eh?
0: I feel like that is an understatement because every other week, we're getting more goals, more drama, more controversy. And I feel like as a fan, I'm just lapping it all up. But, you know, um, there's a lot of things that are just going on. And I feel like it's just getting more interesting as you get, you know, as the weeks go on, as the match week goes on. Uh, and I don't think there's a lot that we can complain about except the officiating, which we will get into a little bit later. But before, <laughs> I know, but before we get stuck in, it's time to introduce our very special guest this week. He has a very familiar voice, a pretty familiar face if you see him in person. He's none other than our very own Deepan Raj Ghanisan. Deepan, welcome to the show again. How are you?
2: Guys, thank you for having me. Uh, what a week to be on. Uh, can't wait for the discussions to begin and for all of us to give our opinion on that one thing and the one thing that we all want to talk about.
1: Speaking of one things, so I'm a little disappointed Farah didn't talk about your extravagant shirts in the introduction. But nonetheless, let's get stuck into the review straight away, shall we? And we're going to start with the Super Sunday game that saw LCS beat Temperance Rovers 1-0. Now, on Tuesday, the Football Association of Singapore issued a statement to clarify the furore surrounding Fridaos Kasman's disallowed goal, saying, I quote, while the match officials had gotten the majority of the decisions correct, they had, in this case, incorrectly interpreted the law and are rightfully regretful over their respective errors in judgment. The FAS also added that, I quote, as part of the FAS referees department's long-term objective to have our match officials make consistent and, more importantly, correct decisions, we have also, since late 2021, Kickstarted started the planning stages to implement the Video Assistant Referee, VAR, technology in the near future for the SPL competition. Wow, big statement. I was quite surprised that this statement came out from the association, but nonetheless, a step in the right direction by the way of accountability. Dipen, quickly to get your thoughts on this statement. I look... First of all, on that statement, I think
2: you are right. It's a good positive step. Uh, In terms of accountability, I think that's what we are getting from FAS with this. Uh, Some might say that it does not address uh, how refereeing standards can improve. But look, we hear lots of moaning and groaning. But it's not unique to this season alone. It's happened many times. The the same can be said about the standard of our football. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Uh, I think the only way officiating can improve, though, is with accountability, which is what we are seeing from this statement. Uh, but I just want to add on further to that. The noise on social media got too loud for FAS to ignore. I think that's why they've come out with this statement. And that is the power of social media, Raushan. Uh, it can hold people accountable. Fan group, media, independent or otherwise have the power to state what they want to say. It's not like what some claim to be, right? Just some place for people to vent before they fully understand things. Uh, I know different shows have different themes or structures. But if you want to wrap up your game week in 10 to 13 minutes and call yourself as Express, the least you could do is, you know, do us a favour by not sweeping things under the carpet. Address issues. And if you don't want to address issues, fine. Don't throw what other people are saying under the carpet as well. Uh, I I think that's what I want to say because um, I mentioned this before, one of the first few shows of the SPL Express and um, I saw Roshan saying, oh, but Taki is one of the best in Asia. So what? No, so what? You know, it, it does not mean that you've won awards at, at different levels and, and that means you're a perfect referee. If it's a mistake, call it out as a mistake. If you don't want to discuss it because you're under the FAS umbrella, leave it for others to do it. And if others are doing it, don't complain. Don't try to be snucky about it. Uh, but summing this up, I think we need to talk about it. We need to discuss it. We need to debate it. Not everyone being critical is doing it for the sake of doing it. We all want the same thing, which is for standards to improve.
1: Wow, just give me a second to recover from what <laughs> deepen
2: just on said. On
0: both what Dipen said and the <laughs> statement from FAS. Uh, uh, no,
1: look, I, I, I think, as I said earlier, the accountability shown by the FAS is encouraging for me. I think, uh, to, my, to my point earlier, I was caught by surprise. I didn't expect FAS to respond to criticism on social media as, as has been evident over the past two days. And I was surprised that they've decided to take this, in my mind, or in recent history, unprecedented step to address the issue. I think addressing the issue is the first step to getting things right. So at least there's a positive there. But I also was speaking to someone in the know with regards to refereeing and with regards to how things are decided. And there is a bigger problem of refereeing and the standards of refereeing when we talk about it, about the lack of match officials coming through. As you can see, it's always the same few faces, the usual suspects, I'm going to call it, your Jensen's, your Taki's taking charge of games. Why is this so? Purely because other the lower leagues have been affected by the pandemic. So there's lesser opportunity for these match officials to get match practice. We talk about footballers needing match practice. Same thing goes for match officials. They need match practice and that's not an excuse for them, but that's purely the situation being caused by the pandemic, right? So all in all, I do think pandemic aside, there is a bigger problem that needs to be addressed. And I have a gut feeling that now that they've addressed the issue as an association, they are going to put the right steps in place to, I won't say ensure it won't happen because let's be honest here, even in the highest leagues, refereeing debacles happen all the time. We saw it in the Arsenal game as well. There was uh, players in the penalty box where that penalty was taken. So my point is there are going to be mistakes, but at least now, you know, the association has taken notice of it and are going to put steps in motion in the right direction at least. What's your thoughts on it, Farah?
0: No, I think the both of you hit the nail on the head there, like on both sides. I mean, for me personally, when that statement first came out, the first thing in my head was just, what is that story going to do? Because at the end of the day, Tempani still dropped points. They still lost that game. And let's say towards the end of the season, towards the business end of the season, those points could be very, very crucial in terms of like, if they were they are you know, in run for the league, if they need to qualify for, you know, AFC and all that stuff, it could prove to be very, very vital. But again, I think the big thing here is accountability, which the both of you have been saying nonstop. And it's very, very nice to see them do it because we have never seen them done it. And the fact that they've done it in taking that first step, it is very good to see because I think we keep saying they just need to get the basics right. And we want to, you know, improve the standard of football in this country. The refereeing standards do have to improve as well. So yeah, that first step, I feel is the most important and it's nice that they've, they've done
2: that. Just just a couple of things uh, I would like to highlight from the, the uh, apology of, of rather uh, from FAS is that I, I found one line and I'm not nitpicking here, I'm just stating it that uh, I, I found one line quite funny where they said uh, while the match officials had gotten majority of the decisions correct, I'm not quite sure about that and I don't feel like that was needed in that statement. Uh, and also about this VAR thing that they are trying to introduce in the near future, um, just for the record it's not a knee-jerk reaction uh, this has been in the works uh, for some time now uh, so it's not because of what happened in the Tampines game that they have decided oh we need to start working on VAR so this is something that has been in the plans for some time uh, another thing is that you know this is not an isolated incident where refereeing has come into the spotlight uh, as I said earlier you know the one uh, between Ballester and Tampines where Taki had that a bit of a issue that and the game between sailors and Japanese, had the same issue, which was communication. Because I can perfectly understand why the linesman raised this flag. If you were in the same island, it could have seemed like Yasi Hanapi was impeding uh, Hassan Sari. I think that's fair. But as Jens- Jensen Fu is the main match official, he should have then told his assistant, look, I have had a better uh, picture of the, of the, of the situation. Uh, let's stick with my nation. It's a goal. But he didn't do that because he would have listened to the linesman. So it's the same thing, is communication. Uh, and this is where the issue is and I hope they, they saw it as soon as possible because the last thing we want is for the quality of the league to go up but for the uh, the quality of the refereeing to go down and that to impede
1: our, our league anyway. 100%. I think the positive from this is it's only match day three going into match day four. So with four rounds of fixtures, you rather address your teething issues at the start and then hope for it to peak as the season goes on in a positive way. I don't mean peak in a bad way, obviously. All right, but well, let's move on to the football, shall we? Because we can spend a whole podcast talking about referees, but that'd be quite entertaining to be honest, but we have football to talk about. So let's quickly recap what happened in the game itself. Kim Shin Panenka to seal all three points. What a penalty it was. Penalty or not, that's a different issue, but what a penalty it was to seal all three points despite Tempest Rovers having two disallowed goals as we touched on earlier, one from Fedaus Kasman as well as A stupendous bicycle kick from Mamedovic. Both questionable decisions, but in the end, it was the sailors who kept their first clean sheet of the season to seal all three points. Here's Gavin Lee's assessment of what transpired on Sunday. We
2: control what we can control. and The ref is not one of them, and I do not want to get sanctioned in any way. And so when, as a coach, you see a performance like that, you can only be very proud of your your
1: players. Uh, Again, the result a lot of times is not within our control, just like certain decisions and it's a long season we've only got started and what's the point of uh crying over this game and because there's a lot of there's more there's a lot of positives in this game and all all we need to do is just to build on it
0: all right so that's exactly what gavin had to say but let's speak on lcs first on paper lcs pretty much got the job done but i feel like anyone who watched the game would admit that the sailors were not great i want to use bad but let's just go in not great since you're three matches in um but at the end of the day is three points all that matters deeper you want to have that
2: um not for sailors sorry it's not for sailors i I think for other teams when you have a lack of resources uh, a lack of a squad i think you can use that as an excuse right like oh you know what at the end of the day we got three points but this is a sailors team that has the best resources at the end of the day Uh, and i think despite the fact that they don't have a full 11 at the moment, I think Anu and, and Faris and, and even Gabriel who came on, you know, they are not quite there yet in terms of uh, 100%. But you've got to be winning these games and uh, winning the games with a performance. You know? And at the end of the day, you look at the stats on paper, I think the Japanese had 16 shots to compare to uh, LCS with 6. That's diabolical in any way. Uh, and this is a Japanese side that we saw against Ballester that can be found out in certain situations. And I think at the end of the day, the sailors are not doing that. And you talk about sailors under uh, under Coach Kim. You talk about the defensive organisation of the team. We, we, we did not see that here as well. You know, it's it's okay to not play well, but you defend resolutely. We didn't see that as well. I thought the were unlucky not to have at least one goal in this game. Uh, Taufik and Boris both had five shots each. Uh, both of them should have at least got one goal in this game. Uh, to me, wearing signs for LCS because, of course, we've got the Asian Champions League that's not far away. Uh, it's quite quite near. You know, I would say it's about a month or so away. So worrying times for LCS. Uh, I thought Tampines Rovers were the much better team.
1: I think your point completely deepened. They do look unconvincing. In fact, I think Kim, Shin, uh, Kim Hoon, coach Kim has only kept two clean sheets in fourteen uh games in Singapore, including the Community Shield. But the Lion City Sailors have plenty of mitigating factors. I do feel you touched on it there. They don't have their full squad yet. Yes, they have their big name stars, but they don't have the key personnel putting in performances just yet, your Faris Ramlis, your Gabriel Quek, who just came back from injury. So I do think it's a work in progress. It will take time. I, I do agree that it's worrying that their style of play more often than not, is a long ball from the back. We saw it all season long last season, uh, not all season long, towards the end at least when they look for George Felipe up front. And then this season we see it often Harris playing that ball out of the back. I do think they don't have a distinct style of play just yet. And, with Stipe gone, Kim shin is a great striker, don't get me wrong. But Stipe used to drop and link up play a bit more. Kim shin essentially is camping and then you need to get the ball to him. So that seems to be their modest operandi at the moment. And I do think that all will take time to, to fit in. I agree that when LCS spend that much money, they are expected to entertain, expected to put out performances. But as long as they get the three points... I think that will build confidence towards what they are building towards. Yes, Champions League on the horizon, that is, they need to up their game if they are to at least give a good account of themselves. But but i rather they peak towards the later end of the season. You know what I mean? The trajectory needs to be upwards rather than peaking too soon and then struggling to keep it up later. So in my opinion, as long as they get the three points now, it's okay. And hopefully the performances improve as players come back eventually.
0: No, I think I absolutely agree with the both of you. I feel like, you know, it's a very fair point to expect the sailors to perform at the highest possible level as they can because they have the capabilities to do so. But at this point of time, if, I mean, I have to be honest, they obviously don't look like they are a proper team just yet. They don't look like they've gelled together just yet. And sometimes these things take will take time. So at this present moment, like what Raushan said, if they can just... Scrape through and get those three points as they go on, that would be enough. Because I definitely, I mean, I I I don't see them not picking up in the later part of the season. They are gonna look more together. They, they are gonna gel so much better as the season goes on. So I wouldn't be too worried right now if they if they're gonna keep putting out mediocre performances and still get those three points. I don't think there's too much to complain about right now because I think at the end of the day, you know, three points are all that matters. Those points will be you the league at the end of the day. So, you know, it doesn't really matter.
2: But, but I tell you what, I think one positive that's coming out from the fact that Sailors haven't looked convincing is the fact that other clubs will look at this and say, hey, you know, on any, on any given day, we've got a chance against the Sailors. We saw what Geylang did to Sailors. I mean, fair enough, you know, uh, Sailors didn't start with a full 11. But I do think that other clubs will now realise that there is a chance against the Sailors. Uh, even even that win against Haugang, that 3-1 win against Haugang, I don't think Sailors were convincing. Uh, I thought it was a bad second half performance from um, from Haugang that actually gave it to to Sailors to win. So that's the only positive I can I can uh, craft out of this. But I agree with Raushan, I agree with Farah that moving forward, we will definitely see a much better Sailors side when everybody's back. I think it does yeah. bode
1: well for the league if plenty of teams are gaining confidence to go up against the Sailors. Because as a fan, that's what you want, right? You want you want the lesser teams taking it up against the big dogs. So it'll be interesting to see. Anyways, moving on, unsurprisingly, we were inundated with rants surrounding the refereeing controversy on Sunday. But in light of developments with the FAS statement and stuff like that, we've decided to omit the segment just for this week. But do keep your rants coming in and do send them through on Telegram. Without further ado, shall we move on to Haugang 3 Geelang International 2, Farah?
0: Yes, what a Friday night cracker, guys. I think, Rafshan, you said, right, like every Friday night match so far has been absolutely insane. And this one really was, yeah, I have no words for that. That's one, I'm like at a loss of words for it. So just a little recap, Moritz obviously stole the show with a double, including that wonder goal right at the death. Um, Amy Reker also scored his first goal for Haugang from the spot, while Zuzu and Tezuka were also on the score sheet for Gelang. Let's first hear from Haugang's assistant coach, Firdaus Kasim on what he made of their first win of the season.
1: People can question us about the style and we changed the style a little bit. Uh, we, we are not stupid. We, we, we know this is a result-oriented business. Um, when things are not working, we have to change. Uh, if you have to go a little bit longer because it's a tactical part of it, then we have to go longer. So it's not just uh, a, a, a philosophy and a vision that you know, uh, you implement and you force it. So uh, I'm, I'm happy in terms of the, the the way we adapt to the position, and also because of the mentality of the boys. Shot whether it's uh one nil down for a long period of time, or whether when they are conceding in the ninth minute, they were still going. So yeah, of course, plenty of things to improve, and also with the key players coming back, hopefully we'll play much better and deliver performances with uh, points as well. So, there you have it. Fedao sharing his thoughts. Deepen, you were at the stadium. How did you see that one pan out? Did you expect Haugang to get the result after conceding so late? Yeah, before I get to, to the match, I just would like to highlight uh,
2: both sets of fans. Uh, I thought the Haugang Pools and the Ultra Eagles were on fire. Uh, I enjoyed the game primarily because of what was happening uh, away from the pitch. I mean, of course, what was happening on the pitch was great, but uh, you know, back and forth between both sets of fans, uh, and they were loud. That's the most important part. They were loud throughout the 90 minutes. So, made for such a great watch. Um, I, I think Gang would be feeling quite fortunate uh, with the victory because I thought, actually, um, that Geylang were the better team uh, across the 90 minutes. I thought they had fantastic chances uh, when they were one nil up to get the second or third goal, which they led up. Uh, I thought Zuzu was, again, causing all kinds of problems for, for the Haogang defence. But as a game, you know, this is the kind of games that you want to watch in the Singapore Premier League. Uh, and to me, this was the best game of the week. Uh, not sure what others have to say, uh, but for me, this was definitely the best game of the week. Uh, simply because I thought both teams knew they had a chance to get all three points and, and they did not let up in any way. And which was why, despite the fact that Kazuka got such a late equaliser, Moritz's immediate reaction was, let's get the ball, I'm going to do this. And to Saiful Nizam's surprise, uh, he went over his head and into the back of the net. And wow, I, I took almost about, five seconds to register what was happening because to me, I was like, I was just, I had my mouth open, I was like wondering what happened and then the referee blew because I think uh, the subs, Haugang subs came onto to the pitch to celebrate so I thought he was ruling it out and then only after the five seconds there, I realised, oh my god, like Moritz has done a, a wonder goal. Uh, so to me again, two, 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 two great teams, I thought, you know, in the second half, um, the tactical switch in a sense to get Moritz more on the ball uh, because he's a, he's a huge figure and he was up against Ahmad Shahe on, uh, on, on the right side for, for Haugang. And that was, to me, a master stroke from Padawis Kasim. So, fair play to him and the rest of the, of the coaching staff. Uh, well done to Haugang.
1: You talk about those five seconds delay there. I do need the listeners to know that you were spamming the group with what just happened, what just happened. And obviously, I was watching at home and there's a delay involved. I'm like, what, what, what just happened? And I also feel... Tezuka's got a wonderful goal. It's so yes. sad that it was overshadowed immediately by this Moritz blockbuster. Farah, I'm going to get your thoughts on it very quickly. But let's first listen in to Andre Moritz talking us through that wonder goal.
2: To be fair, I saw the goalkeeper really uh, far up. And then I told you, Cheryl, like, don't, don't go close to the ball because I'm going to kick it. And uh, I was just uh, talking to the referee. Come on, come on, play, play, play. Let, let me play, let me play. And once he just whistle, man, I mean, uh, I just went uh, full throttle, you know. I, I, saw, I saw the goalkeeper, uh, he was far away from the goal. I trust my uh, my, my kick there and I, w- I was just uh, happy, you know. It's good to bring the first game home, score my first goal, first win. I mean, it's a, it's a long season, but I'm really, really happy today.
1: That was Andrew Moritz telling us all about what's likely to be the goal of the season, contender. I know I don't get my predictions right, but I'm fairly certain about this one. But... Farah, you were about to make a point.
0: Oh, no. I was just going to say how Deepan literally just went in the group. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And me and you were like, what? What is <laughs> happening? And then obviously got on the stream and then saw it. And I was like, oh, my God. Deepan was right. <laughs> hey- Exactly. Oh my god, was the, the best word to describe it. it? It was it was spectacular. I only have one complaint. I, I think I showed this to you guys, but people were commenting saying this Sunday league stuff with the goal that was being conceded. Guys, come on, if it happened in the Premier League, all of you would be lapping it out with like what an incredible finish that is. So I I cannot, I, I do not appreciate that. I, I thought overall the game was and, and, I, and
2: I tell you what, I think not many are capable of doing what Moritz did because this is a, a, a player that has been there, done that. So, he knew what exactly that he was going to do. And to execute it, that's another step, right? Because, I mean, uh, Raushan, you know, you know, it's not easy to kick a ball over that distance uh, with that power. And he did it perfectly. So, really, really, really good goal. I don't understand what the Naysayers are on
1: about, uh, but at
2: least we got to enjoy it in the Singapore Premier League.
0: Roshan, you were about to say something.
1: <laughs> uh, no, I was, I was just going to say, I, I take both your points, wonder goal, all credit to Moritz. But having just equalised, should Geylang have done better? That's my question. Uh, it's a wonder goal, don't get me wrong, one in a million. We, we, chances are we won't see a goal like that for a while. But surely Geylang, after equalising, they should have done better. More or less, Zayful Nizam not a young keeper, you know.
2: Yeah, but, but I think in most situations, when you kick off, that is more or less the standard uh, position that the goalkeeper takes up. Rarely do you see a goalkeeper between the sticks in, on that line. He usually is quite uh, in front. Maybe the only thing I can agree with you is that that was quite a long time that Moritz stood over the ball. Uh, maybe in terms of awareness it could have been better. I think uh, they should have realised it but I- I'm not going to blame much, uh, put much blame on Zaiful Nizam because I thought this was quite unexpected. You know, I didn't expect it so, you know, I, I think fair play to, to Moritz and, and Hong Kong for taking advantage of
3: it.
0: Yeah, I think I completely agree. I This kind of goals, like they say, one in a million, Geylang probably didn't see, see it coming. They probably already thought they got that point in the back and they probably wanted to leave with that point. So, you know... That, the only that... disappointment, right, was that hours uh, didn't go on a
1: if there was a goal to celebrate on the touchline, that was it, right? He probably heard our podcast and decided, "Ah, these fools are going to say something (laughs) about it." So these fools being me, lah. These fools are going (laughs) to say something about it, so I better not. All right, guys, let's move on to. There's four games to get through, so let's move on to the third game of the week, which was Young Lions nil Albrex five five star showing from Albrex with Tanaka picking up where he left off, grabbing a first half brace. A Jacob, Mahler, penalty miss and three goals in the final 10 minutes from Sujita, Firoz Hassan and Kan Kobayashi then sealed an emphatic 5-0 win for the White Swans. Deepen, the Yoshinaga effect in full flight, really. Are Albrechts back to their best after a bit of a, dare I call it a wobble? Uh,
2: yeah, I'm not sure if they are back to their best, but this is what we expected from Albrechts, you no, know, after a few games. Uh, I thought that, again, a, a very, very convincing performance here. I uh, just want to highlight someone in particular, Kan Kobayashi. I thought he was phenomenal in this game. Picked up the ball deep in midfield, you know, he glided across the pitch, almost like uh, a bit like Martin Odegaard does for, for Arsenal these days, you know. I I, I, I I see a lot of similarities between these two players and I think with Kan Kobayashi, what you might expect this season is I think he's going to be the one that is going to control the midfield, but at the same time, brought those passes through for Tadanari Lee uh, and Tanaka to finish and I know, I know it's early days, but to me at least, Tanaka looks like a fabulous player. Uh, I mean, you look at the the his finishing, wow! Uh, some of the goals he's already scored in the in the Singapore Premier League, I think, show that he is uh, a direct replacement for Suboi. You know, we 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 saw a lot of uh, news and stories and a lot of glamour about Tadanoary Lee, but I think this guy is going to be the key player for them both, uh, Kobayashi and Tanaka for Alberts.
1: I think Young Lions, the scoreline, I won't say flatters Elbrex but it's harsh on the Young Lions. I'm not going to continue and say, oh, Albrecht, uh look mediocre because they certainly don't 11 goals in the past two games. That point about Kan Kobayashi, I completely agree with Deeper. In fact, I met him the day after and when I entered the car, I think that's the first thing he told me, bro, this Kan Kobayashi guy is, if, is uh, to use the overused phrase, different gravy. So it's it's interesting to see that... uh that Albrecht's that machine continues to roll on finding unearthing such talents and and it's 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 going to be an interesting intriguing battle this Friday when Albrecht's take on their biggest challenges yet which we'll touch on later I do think Young Lions will be left licking their wounds but it was a tough start to the season for them so let's see how it goes from there
0: alright I, I, there's nothing that I can disagree with what the both you just said uh, again I think Albrecht's will probably gonna get even better I think on both occasions in the past two games, like you said, they has got 11 goals in the past two games. And Yoshinaga is still constantly saying he's not satisfied with their performance. Can you imagine him not being satisfied with that and what Albrecht's, what this Albrecht site would actually look like when they are at their 100%. That would be incredibly scary stuff for everyone in the league. Let's move on to the final game. That was an eight-goal thriller between Balestia Khalsa and Tanjung Paga United at the Tuopayu Stadium. Now, of course, Tanjung Paga led 2-0 courtesy of goals from Amri and Blake before Balestia's three Japanese attackers scored in quick succession to make it 3-2 at halftime. But two goals from Merkel Sujic and a late Nishiguchi effort a 5-3 win to maintain Tanjung Paga's unbeaten charge at the top of the table. Now guys, were Tanjung Paga good or were Balestia just plain bad?
2: Yeah, I think that, uh, wow, well, you, you look at the goals that Balestier conceded, you can only use one word and, and I'm going to use it, amateur. Uh, I, I thought the defending, the, the, the attempts to play out from the back was just amateur. Uh, when a goalkeeper uh, passes it straight to your opponent the way that he did, uh, which was of course, Rudy Kairula giving it to Kairul Amri, you're basically giving your opponents one one goal, one goal head start. And if you keep doing that in, in matches, even the, the, the goal that uh, was ruled out from Blake from the corner, it was poor marking, poor marking. And, and you can't do it at the top level. Uh, if you continuously do that, then you're not going to win games, plain and simple. Because as much as your your three Japanese boys can bail you out with goals, which they almost did, right? You know, if you concede the way that you do and you have lackadaisical defending uh, the way that Tigers did, you are not going to win games, I'm sorry. And, and, you know, I I love the fact that uh, Akbar and his coaching staff are trying to instill a a pass-and-move kind of football uh, with the Tigers. And I do urge patience from everybody. You know, I myself sometimes have to... Pause and think that you know this is going to take time. It's a process. I I I know people don't like to use the word, but it is a process. You know, unlike your Tampines, unlike your Haugang they've got players. They've got they, their process started some time ago. No, you know, they, their process started three or, or even for Kevin's case, a, a few more years ago. But for Akbar this is his first season. So in a way, I feel like we have got to close one eye, uh, in the early stages. But but you cannot forgive this sort of defending, and I'm sure Akbar will be on he, on the players' case to ensure he kicks out this bad habit that they have got.
0: I was going to say, is this something that they should be worried about? I know we're only three games into the season. Is it worrying stuff?
1: I think so because I think the two adjectives deepen used there, laxadaisical and amateur, perfectly sums up Palestine's issues at the moment. I'm looking at the table here. They've conceded 13 goals in three games. Uh, That includes two on opening day. And that's twice more than almost twice as much as Haugang, who are the next with having considered seven. That's worrying. As much as we talk about patience, we talk about Akbar needing time. Some of the goals have to be avoided. That Blake goal you touched on, he took the ball forward from midfield, beat a player uh, on the touchline before running into the box, had time for Akari to play and he was in acres of space. And you know Blake's aerial prowess. Why are you letting Blake do that? That's my question. And I think... Akbar will now, three games in, realize, yes, I knew this will take time. He didn't realize it's going to take this much time, though. I think that's the biggest lesson Akbar would have learned over the three days. It's it's going to be an uphill battle for Ballester for me. Uh, we'll touch on their preview for the upcoming game next week, but that's a must-win. That's a six-pointer for Ballester. Not just for league table, because quite honestly, they are not going to finish very high up the table, but for confidence for that club, because purely they look diabolical at the moment.
2: You know, you know. Uh, we, we talk about all these referring howlers uh, over the weekend. Uh, I was quite surprised. One thing that hasn't been brought up was the fact that I thought Farid Hamid should have got a red card uh, around the 19th or 18th minute of the game when uh, I think it was Tani Kuchi who was, run, who was true on goal and uh, Farid Hamid uh, barged him from behind. And I thought that Farid Hamid was the last man. Uh, again, it was very similar to the one where Pedro Hendrick got a, got a red card uh, for sailors the other time. Um, and you know that, that could have changed the game as well so you know if you're talking about one incident that uh, that changed the game that wasn't given i think we should be talking about this as well again you know officiating needs to be better and i do feel belasser will feel hard done by that you know kanjung pagau were not uh, down to 10 men but but at the end of the day i'm sure Akbar will go back to the drawing board and realize that you can play pa- passing football all that you want but first you've got to get the basics right because if you cannot defend your goal no amount of passing is going to bring you
1: three points Actually, just to add on that, Farid summit, uh, possible red card. There was an off-the-ball incision with Merkur Sujits as well. I think he went back on Amirul Emran after receiving uh, a hard challenge. And then he literally barged into the guy. I think he got a yellow card again, but could have been red on another day. And as his, as, as you would have it, Mako went on to score two goals, right? So again, Ballastia might feel hard done by, by their decisions, but... I mean, has already released one statement. Give them a bit of time, lah. Next couple of days or what? All right. So, shall we move on to match week four then? Because match week four promises to be a cracker. I mean, the Friday night football lineup I'm going to talk about in a bit has got my my mouth wat- watering. I guess that's the term. But anyway, let's move I on. You to were going to say one.
2: something uh, vulgar there, Roch. <laughs>
1: Well, it is It is after midnight at the time of this recording, so yes. But moving on, Albrecht's Niigata against the Lion City Sailors. That's happening at Friday at 7.45 at the Jurongi Stadium. If you haven't already got tickets for the game, I urge you to go and get yourself sorted because that promises to be a firecracker between two title heavyweights. First team news. Masaya Adetsu is out through injury for Albrex. There is good news, though, in the sailors' camp with Anu and Faris Ramli back in contention after missing out last weekend. And Noor Adam has also resumed training, having missed out at the start of the season. Deepen coming to you first. Form guy points towards Albrex, undoubtedly. But this is going to be an intriguing battle, right?
2: Yeah, can't can't wait for it. I think uh, we we have all been waiting for... Uh, Albrecht that's in full flow, taking on a Lion City Sailor side that's, on, that's in full flow. I don't think we're going to get that, though. I think Albrecht are the team that are going to be in full flow. I'm just intrigued to find out if this is finally the game where Coach Kim Do-hoon uh, plays, all, plays all his cards, basically. you know, Starting last year, uh, Diego Lopez... Uh, and maybe even Gabriel, you know, up front together with uh, Kim shin Woo, Because I think for the last few matches, I mean, when we look at the, the starting lineups, fair, fair play to to him giving some fringe players a chance, but we haven't been impressed, right? I mean, we have not. it's been a long time since I saw uh, Lion City Sailors starting in 11. I'm like, wow, this is going to be great. Uh, and that is the reality. So I'm, I'm waiting to see if that happens against the Albrecht team, but you know, if you follow Coach Kim do style since he's come in, he's not going to play Diego Lopez in this one, I see, he? uh, Because he's, he's someone who, who likes to have runners in midfield in a big game like this. And he might even consider himself being too naive if he starts Diego Lopez and Maxim Lestien for this one. So I'm not quite sure he's going to uh, pull all his cards in this, in this game. And I'm expecting a good game. But I, I do think the Albrechts are the, the favourites for this one.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think Albrechts are definitely the favourites in this one. And especially, you know, I know again, they're definitely going to want to take a little bit of revenge for that Community Shield loss there, even though we're only, you know, only four games into the season come this weekend. But speaking of Albrechts, do you think, and the Community Shield, do you think that they would have, what would they have learned from that defeat to apply this weekend? So, sorry, not champion.
2: If... I, I don't know about learn, but, but one player that they did not have in the Community Shield uh, was Kodai Tanaka. Uh, hmm. and, and despite that, if you remember, Albrechts dominated the sailors, I thought. I thought the, the sailors were quite fortunate to get a the win there. And this time around, you know, if for all the chances that they create, there's going to be a finisher in the box this time with Kodai Tanaka there. So, all
1: signs point to uh, Albrechts, I would say. Yeah, of course, Tanaka, six goals in the last two games, has to be the man to watch. To answer your question, Farah, what would... uh? What would Albrechts have learned from that committee Shield defeat is to get a lot closer to Kim shin I'm sure. I mean, the reason Lion City Sailors won that committee Shield was because Kim shin was afforded time and space in the box. I'm pretty sure Yoshinaga all week long is going to tell his defenders and midfielders to get a lot closer to Kim shin to deny him the chance. And to touch on what Deepen said, I would be highly surprised if Diego starts. I know on this very same show, we've clamored for Diego to be in the starting 11 because of the player that he's capable of being, but I don't think he showed anything that was worthy of a starting place in the last match against Temporis Robbers. And for that reason, and that reason alone, I do think uh, Coach Kim is going to drop Diego to the bench, but possibly, I I like Deepen's thoughts of Kim Shinwook, Maxim, Lestian, and Gabriel Quack leading the front line. Either way, it's going to be an intriguing battle and I'm going to lean towards Albarex winning this one, I think. I think Albarex are going to, in fact, win this 2-1. And I need your prediction Dipen. I'm a bit worried uh, because you're tipping an outbreaks win. I know.
0: Uh, I was just about to say
1: that. Hey, uh, hey, hey, hold on. Let me <laughs> clarify. I may have got my score lines wrong over the past week, but I got three of the four results correct.
2: Well done, you very, very proud
0: of you. Uh, baby steps. Go. <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm going for outbreaks win as well, but uh, I'm just going to turn it up a bit. I think 3 1 outbreaks.
0: Yeah, same. I'm actually. I actually had three one for Albrechts. Uh, I mean, as much as Roshan has predicted Albrechts to win as well, uh, I don't think. I, I don't see. I don't see LCS winning this one. I think Albrechts would be more clinical this time. So I think three one Albrechts.
2: I I would love to give my predictions after the lineups come out though. I think that's always more because, I mean, I'm saying that I don't expect uh, Kim Do Hoon to start with uh, Maxim, Lestien and Diego Lopez whatsoever. But you imagine a, a front four of even Faris Ramli into to the start, starting lineup with uh Kim Shinwoo, Maxim Lester and Diego Lopez all starting behind uh Shinwoo. Wow. I, I think that, that might tip the, the skills in the favor of uh LCS. So at this moment I I, I do foresee Kim uh, Kim Dohun going to be a bit safe with his lineup. So at this moment I'm gonna go for three one L
1: Okay, uh, Dipen, I'll hold you to it on Friday when we're at the game together. We can uh, put out the cheeky Instagram post with your prediction after the lineup's so, out. Shall we move on to the second game of Friday night? I, I'm so gutted that both these games are happening at the same time because I literally can only be at one place at one time, guys. So, it's Tampini's Rovers against Haugang United uh, happening at Friday on Friday at 7.45 at our Tampini's Hub. Bit of team news. Pedro, Kiki, Muhaimin and Idraki are still out for Haugang. Hafiz Abu Suja is a doubt and Clement continues his recovery from COVID. It remains to be seen whether he'll be on the touchline for Haugang. For Tempernis, Yasser Hanapi is a doubt due to a shoulder injury. Farah, I'll come to you first. Tempernis Rovers, we waxed lyrical about them. Gavin touched on it there saying he's very proud of the efforts of his team. But can they keep it up against Haugang who notched their first win last week?
0: See, here's the thing I have with the Japanese Rovers. They came into that clash against the Lion City Sailors, and I don't think that many people expected them to come out the way they did in that first half. I think most of us were pretty surprised at how difficult they made it for the Sailors. They just, like you said, you know, we were saying how they were just not clinical enough. They just weren't, the finishing was just not there in that first half because they could have gotten goals for sure. But then, obviously, if you look back again, before the, the first game against the they can definitely be found out. Sometimes defensively, especially in that second half, they, they can definitely be a little bit suspect at the back. So I'm very undecided with how Tempani's are going to show up in this clash. But I feel like if there's anything to go by, they're going to be a little bit more fired up from what happened against the Sailors and they will probably want to prove a point. So you know what I think, they would definitely be showing up against Gang. and Gang as well. That win that they that they just got at the weekend, their first win of the season is definitely going to be a driving factor for them. Confidence will be on their side, but I feel I do I will expect Tampines to show up the same way as they did against the Sailors. I don't know what you guys think.
2: Yeah, I think in this in this aspect uh, I thought Tampines did play very well against uh, the Sailors. Uh, and when you look at this Tampines team, they can move the ball about. Uh, so it's up to Haogang, you know, how they want to set up for this one. Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure, you know, whether Haogang have what it takes to stop a team from playing, uh, whether they have enough destroyers in midfield. That is a worry. And, and, and one of the things that worried me against Elang was the fact that Haogang didn't seem to have a midfield at, at times. Um uh, and we know what the have in midfield Kyoga, Zerudin, uh, who can really move the ball and about. Uh, I thought Zerudin was fantastic in the game against Sealers and he could continue his form here. Um, I know you haven't asked me for a prediction yet, but I see this going the way of the Stags. Uh, I think they will just nick it 2 uh, 1 in this game.
0: Roshan, what do you think?
1: I think you both of you have covered the preview about both teams so I'm just going to go get stuck into my prediction straight away and I'm going to tempt fate here by matching Deepen's prediction. I do think the Stags are going to take this 2-1 purely because I don't think Haugang have it in them them to keep a clean sheet and I take Farah's point completely. The Stags are going to be fired up for this one. Everything that's gone on by the way of injustice will come to the fore. I do think you talked about it earlier on Taufik and Boris having five goals five shots apiece without scoring a goal so clearly They will be wanting to right that wrong and I do think the Stags will win this 2-1. What about you, Farah?
0: I'm going to go for a 2-all draw because I feel both sides defensively can, like I said, defensively suspect, always be letting in goals. So, you know what? 2-all draw. That's what I'm going for.
1: Fair enough. That's uh, two of the four matches done and dusted. Shall we move on to the third game of the week, Farah?
0: Yes, we shall. So the third game of the week comes on Saturday, Kickoff at at 5.30pm between Balestia Khalsa and the Young Lions at the Tuapayo Stadium. A little bit of team news, Delwin has tested positive for COVID early in the week, so he faces a race to be fit for Saturday. Now, doubts over fitness of Hyrule and Fal Ilham as well. But, you know, now... As 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 the league table kind of shapes up a little bit, you know, three 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 games in, this is shaping up to be the battle of the bottom two in the league. I mean, not it'd be not fair for the young lions, like they've only played once, but surely, do you think it's bigger for Ballestia that they cannot afford to lose this game?
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, they will be looking at their. They would have looked at the list and thought that, if anything, this is the game that they have got to get all three points from. Uh, as much as we want to talk about process and trying to learn how to play uh, out from the back uh, but this is a young Lions team that is not even a professional team right I mean full of players uh, who are in national service and in school and whatnot. so to me I think no excuses for the Tigers in this one uh, I, I thought actually one, one positive to take away from the Paga loss is that the, the three Japanese boys on top uh, Hoshino Tanikuchi, and Kondo they look like a force to be reckoned with already, uh, So I see them causing lots of damage, uh, to the young young lions' defense in this one. So I yeah, uh, I would be surprised if it's anything other than a Ballester victory.
0: Roshan, because I was gonna say that that young lions side that actually showed up in that first twenty minutes, I, I like you know I, I thought they they definitely held Alvarex back for for that first twenty 20 20-25 minutes, and then when the flag gets opened, they just there's no way of stopping Alvarex. But if that Young Lions side that showed up in that first 20 minutes were to show up against this Ballastia side. Do you see them getting anything out of this?
1: I do think so because as as history has proven over the past three games, Ballastia tend to be slow starters. They have conceded the first goal in almost all their games. And I do suspect that Young Lions will be up for it from the get-go and that's their best chance of at least trying to get the upper hand going into this, what I feel is a must-win game for Ballester. So there's pressure on Ballastia's side. They don't have form going for them. So, it's going to weigh on their minds that they are going up against a young Lions team who Deepen touched on are a developmental side, if anything, right? So, they cannot afford to lose. But I do think the young Lions will be up for this. They would feel hard done by against Albrecht on opening day and they'll want to do slightly better. I do think it's about time Ricky Kumura was given a chance in the Ballester goal. We've seen Hyrule come in not exactly cover himself in glory. We've seen uh, Rudy Kairula come in and again not cover himself in glory. So, why not give Ricky a chance against a team that I'm guessing he's fairly familiar with as well because he obviously travelled with the team to Cambodia quite recently. So, it would be a good chance for Ricky to stake a claim for the number one spot between the sticks for Ballastia. I'll be interested to see if that change happens. Having said all of that, I do think Ballestia will ultimately have just a bit too much for uh, the Young Lions. And for anbar's sake, I, I, I want him to do well. I know it's difficult now, but... You just want Akbar, uh, a manager who's done it abroad, a Singaporean who's done it abroad, in fact, to come back to the league and show what he's got. And I do think it's crucial that ballastia get all three points here. So I'm suspecting ballastia are going to win this
0: 3-1. Depend. what about you? Do you agree with Raushan or are you going to go in the opposite direction?
2: Very, very worried that uh, Raushan <laughs> is having the same predictions as mine. But I'm going for a Ballestier 4-2 victory here. I, I do see... Um, the young Lions have uh, a bit of a firepower. Quite disappointed that they didn't test Koga at all in the previous game. But I think they will test uh, the Ballester back line and whoever the goalkeeper turns out to be. Uh, but at the same time, I think Ballester have enough firepower to put at least three or, or four past uh, young Lions. So 4-2 from me.
0: Lovely. I'm. I think... I think I'm going to go with 2-1 Belestia. I think, you know, they, they will probably just age it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, 2-1 Belestia.
1: After Deepen said 4-2, I'm like, yeah, actually that's a possibility. But I'm going to have to stick to my guns because it's on record already. All right, let's move on to the final game of match week four. That happens at Jurongi Stadium on Sunday at 5.30pm. It's league-leading Tanjung Paga United who take on Geelang International Football Club. Team News, no notable absentees for Geelang. For Tanjung Pagadu, Rushidi and Dan Bennett continue to miss out. So, not, nothing in the way of affecting plans for both those teams. Deepen, coming to you, Gerang caught the eye with victory over LCS on opening day, obviously. But, again, conceding three against Haugang, we touched on the manner of the goals they conceded as well. And the Jagos attack is clearly on fire at the moment. They're getting goals everywhere, despite not replacing Luis Jr., would you have it? So, can Geelang deal with the Tanyo Baga attack? Look,
2: I mean, when you look at it on paper, it will seem like it's a team that considered three goals, right? But I don't think they were that bad, actually, in defence. Because if you think about it, Moritz's goal is, like we discussed, one in a million. Uh, the other one was a, was a penalty, of course, because uh, I thought it was Huzaifa who just stretched out a, a stray leg, but I didn't think he, need to do, he needed to do that. Uh, and then one other goal that came from a deflection right in front of Zayful So quite unfortunate, I would say, uh, I was impressed by Gelang once again, I, I would say, in the, in the previous week. Uh, and Against Tanjung Paga, they've got to be uh, 100% again. Uh, I'm expecting this one to be the game of the week uh, in a sense of a- entertainment. Uh, you look at the Tanjung Paga team, uh, they've shown on on uh, against Elbrex that they can defend. They've now also shown against Ballester that they can attack and score goals. Uh, so, in a way, it's almost like at this moment, you, you are not quite sure of what Tanjung Paga's side uh, to expect at the moment but no matter what it's always going to be uh, a victory or a draw for, for Tanjong Paga because I've been impressed the, uh, by them so having said all that I think both sides are going to cancel each other out uh, I see this being a 2-2 draw
1: Deeper now you're just copying my notes because <laughs> literally that's what I was thinking as well I, I I do take your point completely Tanjong Paga have shown they can defend they, shown they can attack but they've also shown that they can concede as by Ballester's front frontman right so at some point this Tanyo Paga fairy tale has to not burst but come to an end but I do suspect they will maintain that winning streak going I think your point might well be the game of the week by the way of entertainment and I suspect it's going to be a 2 all draw as well Ah <sighs>
0: <laughs> David looks <was> so <laughs> exasperated. You could only see his face. He's so upset that Rao has the same <laughs> predictions as him because now the likelihood of that being wrong is probably quite high. So with that, I'm not going to go for a 12 draw, obviously. I think I think Tanjung Paga will actually age this one. Um again, I think last week I made mention of how confidence will play a very, very huge part. They have momentum now they have confidence on their side and as much as Geelang, like you said Deepen um, you were very impressed with them and I think a lot of us are very impressed with how their first two games have gone I think that uh, Tanjung Baga would just probably have a little bit more in them just by virtue of that momentum and that confidence that they have in their side and you know what I always look forward to Geelang Tanjung Baga games because it's always like a feisty one and it's always good for you know great viewing usually so yeah Tanjung Paga. All
1: right, interesting. That rounds up the match week preview, match week four previews with all four games and some interesting predictions. I swear me and Dipen are not uh, copying homework. It just happens to be uh, that we have our predictions matching each other, shall we say. But a lot has been said about my predictions and my lack of ability to get it right. I put my hands up and tell you, yes, I'm trying, I'm working on it. One guy though who's really impressed me is this mystery man who keeps sending me audio notes. He literally was confident enough to tell me that his predictions were all spot on over the last week and he's yet again submitted his predictions for Mesh Week 4. Let's have a listen.
3: The Lion City Sailors face a top Japanese team in Urawa soon. But how will they fare up against a couple of J-League 2 and J-League 3 rejects? The Sailors will save a bit of face here. Albrechts 2, Sailors 2. Gavin Lee and Fadaos custom, two young men going head to head. Or should I call it the battle of the egos? Tactical chess game means a draw is on the cards. 1-1. If they don't win this, the Tigers might as well withdraw from the Singapore Premier League. Ballester 3, Young Lions 1 This Geylang team, I can't trust them, neither should you. But that's the Eagles, they deliver when no one expects them to and then no Ali will celebrate like he's won the league. Tanjung Paga 1, Geelong 2
1: All right, there you have it. Mystery man here has clocked in his predictions. He got all four winning teams correct the last time around. Let's see if he can try and get the scores right because with all this intrigue, he might as well be doing a bit better, right? All right, speaking of doing a bit better, let's move on to the final segment. Who's got the armband? The winner last week to my... Much joy is not Farah. It's Shashi, (laughs) our guest last week. He picked Sime Zuzul, who opened the scoring for Geylang in that 3-2 loss. So, Shashi, well done. You win the armband round for last week. For this week, we are going to secure our captain's pick very soon. But first, a quick shout-out to SPL Real Manager, a fantasy football game for the fans. We talked about social media having an impact early on in the show. Social media has clearly had an impact enough for FAS to launch this fantasy Premier League game. Fantasy Singapore Premier League game, I dare add. And it's exciting. I do urge you to get your team sorted ahead of the weekend. Dipen, have you locked in your team already? I uh, already
2: got my team. Uh, can't wait to start this. Uh, but yeah, happy, happy, very, very happy to see that uh, the SPL has come out with this. Uh, it's something that I've been crying out for for a very long time. And it's good to see that uh, there's some form of engagement uh, with the SPL fans on this platform.
1: Yeah, you talk about engagement. Uh, The Final Whistle has set up their own uh, SPL Fantasy League. So do join the league and have a bit of fun. Join the Telegram group while you're at it because, to be honest, that group chat goes all day long and there's always talk about Singapore football. So that's exactly what The Final Whistle aims to do. Quickly now, armband. Farah, since you are still the reigning queen with your points, Tally, why don't you go first?
0: Okay, thought process, right? I feel like I want to go with Tanaka because of his streak but because they're facing the Sailors I'm gonna I'm gonna wait on that a little bit but till they face you know someone who I, I like probably a Young Lions again or like Balestia somewhere down the line but for this week I think I'm gonna go with Mirko Subic.
1: okay okay and uh, Deepen,
2: uh, I'm looking at Balestia I think they are gonna get goals against the Young Lions so uh, it's a choice between the three Japanese right uh, I'm going to go with uh, the captain, Jumbo, uh, Shoe Hoshino.
1: Okay, okay. I'm waiting for deepens uh, preview in the Straits Times because the past two weeks, he's uh, picked out Bezeko, who went on to score the winner, and then Sujic, who went on to score a double. Uh, no, jokes aside, I am going to play my Zuzul card this week. I do suspect Zuzul will get a haul belatedly, but he's going to get a haul uh, and I think he's going to eventually win me something. So, yeah, Zuzul for me.
0: Well, guys, that was actually so much fun. I actually kind of actually I would love for Roshan to finally get some points on the board. You know, I feel like he deserves (laughs) it. It's it's like a long time coming. So you know, for your. If only you said
1: it without laughing, I'd actually believe you.
0: No, no, no. It's very genuine from the bottom of my heart. I hope Zuzu does well this week for you.
1: All right, listeners, we hope you've enjoyed the show as much as we have bringing it to you. Do continue to support the channel, like, share, subscribe, and share this podcast on your way to match days with all your friends to get up to speed ahead of Match Week 4. Thank you for your company. We'll see you on next week's
0: episode.